Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. In light of Christmas, or being in the Christmas season, we're going to step out of Mark for at least the next three messages and jump into Matthew. And so uh, let's turn over to Matthew, and we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, and just kind of look at the Christmas story. And this uh, time of year, as obviously you can look in all the stores and the radio is now playing Christmas music. The stores are putting all their stuff out. The advertisements are all out there now. It's Christmas, right? So, <clears throat> let me make a disclaimer right up front. <laughs> Very important disclaimer. I like Christmas. I like Christmas. Okay? I like the lights, the music. The atmosphere, the two weeks off from school, right? I like it. I like Christmas. Don't get me wrong. I like Christmas. Okay? It's important that you know that. Okay? So, I normally don't title my messages, as you know. I just, we just kind of walk through the Bible. Right? It's nothing wrong with giving a title to your message. That's fine. It helps people to kind of, okay, this is what he's talking about. But I, I just, I don't know. I just never got into giving titles to message. I just, let's just see what the scripture says, okay? But I gave a title to this one. Hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> Dude, something a little different. It's Christmas, right? So here's my title for this message. And so for you who love titles, when things go wrong at Christmas. <laughs> see why I don't do titles? <laughs> But here's my title. Here's my, when things go wrong at Christmas. That's my title for today. Okay? Now remember, I like Christmas. I'm not against the celebratory things we do for Christmas. The candy canes, the reindeers, and all of those types of things. Okay? Snowmen are good. I like snowmen. Okay? But when things go wrong. When things go wrong at Christmas, that's the thought I want to try to keep with us today, okay? So let's ask God to open up our hearts as we get into the Word. Father, thank you, and God, I praise you that we can even meet and talk about your Word in this manner. And I pray, God, as we look at your Word, look at the promise of the Messiah, Father, that you would again give us a fresh look. Remind us, Father, of what Christmas truly is about. And Lord, uh, may we rejoice in that. So we pray for your blessing. Open up our understanding in Christ's name. Amen. So when things go wrong at Christmas, remember, I like Christmas. I like Christmas. But it's always around this time of year that my heart does sink a little bit when I look at the culture around us and even some believers 
who get more enamored with the celebration part of Christmas than the person of Jesus. Remember, I like Christmas. Here's what it looks like sometimes. The stress of Christmas. Stop right there. Stop right there. Why should Christmas be stressful? I like Christmas. But why are we getting stressed out about it? Oh, the shopping, the gift wrapping. I don't know what to get for this person. I, don't, I like Christmas. But the stress of it. Some Christians, even going outside of their financial stewardship and going into debt for Christmas. The stress of Christmas, the financial burden it puts on people, right? Because I, I have to get this for so-and-so, or, or I can't get that. If I just give a card, what are they going to think of me? Like, I can't, well, no, we have to get the in-laws something more than that. What are they going to think? All of this cultural mandate that is thrown on us, stuff that you have to do because it's Christmas. Remember, I like Christmas. But my heart does sink around this time when I hear these different narratives that are happening in our culture. Where Christmas for the believer, which is about the Messiah, long promised, long awaited, we buy into the cultural mandate of Christmas. The shopping, the giving, the going into debt, the stress. Everything has to just be right. Oh my goodness, I cannot find the right napkins to go with the tablecloth. What is Christmas dinner going to be like? Oh my goodness, they only have that particular brand. I can't believe it. I ordered this and they said they would have it and it's not going to be until after Christmas. goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, what does any of that have to do with the long-awaited Messiah? Nothing. Remember, I like Christmas. I'm not against all those things. Have the ham, the turkey, the eggnog, the... Ha yes, by all means. But don't forget the point. <laughs> we get sucked into it so easy, guys. So Matthew, in the beginning of his gospel... It's probably part of the gospel that I'll, I'll admit that, you know, in the past, I skipped over. The genealogy. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, what, what can I get out of the genealogy? But there is so much in the genealogy. Because Matthew is writing to Jewish readers. And what does he do? He traces the lineage of Jesus Christ right back to David and Abraham. Why is that a big deal? Like, so what? Because the Jewish people were waiting for what? The Messiah. So Matthew says, this Jesus Christ that we are proclaiming, that we are preaching about, that you hear about, let me show you that he is the one who came right through the lineage. He was the one that was prophesied about. He was the fulfillment. This meant, the genealogy meant a lot to Jewish people. Now, we don't kind of hold a lot in our genealogies. 
We just don't, as in our culture is a little different. The Jewish people, they held it in high esteem. And Matthew starts his gospel by doing what? Showing that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. So, in Jesus's lineage, one of the things as Matthew unpacks the genealogy, it's amazing that in his lineage, there are adulterers, prostitutes, even some Gentiles, and even some heroes. Wow. Wow. What does that say? Right? Everybody's not perfect in the line of Christ. Christ is the only perfect one, but God used and worked through many different types of people. And his plan of the Messiah coming through, even all of these different characters, was never thwarted. It was going to happen, and it did. The long-awaited Messiah. So, Let's look, and we're not going to unpack every single person that's in this list. That could be a study all by itself, actually looking at the history and the context of every single person listed in the genealogy, which would give you a rich like, picture of, wow, these are the people who Christ came through. But we're just going to point out a couple of things here and then make some applications. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Remember, Matthew is writing about the Messiah, the Anointed One. Christ was not his name. Christ was a title. His name was Jesus. He would have been called Jesus of Bar-Joseph, son of Bar-Joseph. That's how they would say it, the Jewish names. This is the title, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Matthew puts it right up there at the front for these Jewish people. This is the Messiah I'm about to tell you about. This is the one who was the hope for Israel. Why is the genealogy important as we get into it? A couple things, and then we're going to read through it. Jesus was a real historical person. He was not a myth. This is why this genealogy is so important. Matthew is establishing this was a real person who goes all the way back to Abraham, the son of David. There was a story of, of a missionary who translated the Gospel of Matthew. And just to kind of expedite and get the Gospel translated into this language of the tribe people, they skipped the genealogy. I don't know if you ever heard this story. It's a fascinating story. So the translator, she, she actually skipped the genealogy and just kind of got into the meat of the gospel because you want to get it into the language of these people real quick. Took 10 years because these tribal people, number one, they didn't even have a language. So she had to first learn how they communicated, then put symbols to what they were saying, then establish a language for them, now take that language and then put it and, to the, and translate the gospel. Do you see the work that that would take? You're not even starting with the language. It took her 10 years. 10 years, she finally gets her first translation, her, her first, you know, Bible, the gospel, and she skipped the genealogy. And it is told by this missionary that when the trucks arrived with the Bibles on them or with the gospel of Matthew, the people were more enamored and excited about the truck than the gospel. <laughs> and 
and her heart just sunk. And nobody really, they were like, okay, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were enamored with these vehicles, right? Her second edition, she put the genealogy into their language. The chief of the tribe called her into his little hut after he read the second edition with the genealogy. And here's what he said, and I quote, you mean this Jesus is a real person? Wow. She's like, yeah. What? All this time, the tribal people thought she was just talking about a mythical person with some good moral teach teachings in how you ought to live and treat your family. The genealogy established for this tribal leader, wait, 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 this guy really existed? That changed everything. And people in the village became, started to come to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Why is the genealogy so important? Because Jesus was a real historical person. He, he lived. This is not some idea, some abstract figure, some fairy tale like, remember, I like Christmas. Some fairy tale like, should I say it? I may get banned off of YouTube. Some fairy tale like, hope kids aren't watching, Santa Claus, right? Jesus is real, okay? So let's, let's, let's look at it here. Matthew chapter 1. Again, he starts the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Notice the title, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The Messiah was coming from the seed of David. And it was a promise that, remember, God made to Abraham that through you all the nations will be blessed. Not only is, 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 is he coming from the seed of David, but all the nations are going to be blessed through Abraham's seed. So what is the, uh, the writer of Matthew's gospel does what? He said, I'm going to show you where Jesus fulfills both of these. This would have meant so much to the Jewish people because they knew their Messiah was promised. So he was a real person. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar or Tamar. First woman that's mentioned. Typically, women were not in Jewish genealogies. Women didn't have any type of status in this day. Don't try to establish your identity, who you are through a woman. Tell me who the men were. Notice that the formula here in this genealogy is this form showing what? Father of. Father of. Here's the father, here's the son. Here's the father, here's the son. Interesting that in Matthew's account, he puts Tamar and then three other women in here. I, I, I think there's, 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 there's an emphasis here that, you know, God's salvation is for all women also have value in the eyesight of God. Even though the Jewish culture didn't treat women the right way, they subjected women, they marginalized women, but yet here women appear in the lineage and the line of Christ. Wow. But let's go on. Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, verse 4, and Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, second woman. Second woman mentioned. 
And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, third woman. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Notice what it says. David, the king. Why, why did Matthew emphasize that in the genealogy? Remember, the Jewish people are waiting for a king. They're waiting for a Messiah. Matthew's like, this is Jesus. Jesus is the one. He's a descendant from David the king, the most powerful king, righteous king that Israel esteemed. Jesus is coming right through his line. And by the way, this saying that Jesus came through the seed, the line of David the king, this is very significant because it gave Jesus legal claim to the throne. It gave Jesus the legal right to the throne. There's so much wrapped up in this genealogy. It's not just a list of names. It's Again, for the Jewish people, the genealogies represented legality of, 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 of who you are, what position you can have, inheritance, what you get, what you don't get, right? The genealogy was everything in the Jewish mindset to your identity, to your authority. That's why it's in Matthew's gospel and it's also in the gospel of Luke, right? Now, Luke's genealogy is a little different because he goes a different way. He kind of traces the lineage of Jesus really through Mary, and kind of more of her descendants. But know that the significance of this genealogy, it's huge in the eyesight of the Jewish people. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, referring to Bathsheba, fourth woman that's mentioned. Now, watch what happens here. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, who was a wicked king. And Rehoboam, father of Abijah, Let's go with that. Who was his wicked son? And Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. Good king. <laughs> good son, good king. So you got wicked king, wicked son, good king, good son. What's going on here? And just uh, say that name. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, wicked king, Joram was. And Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham. In other words, as you, if, and we don't have time, but if you go back and look at the history of these kings, Matthew alternates wicked kings, good kings, wicked kings, good kings. Showing what? Like, like why? Why is that important? Even with the kings that were listening to Jehovah and the ones that disdained Jehovah and did what they wanted to do, God still worked through all of that and brought through Christ. Nothing was going to stop God's plan in bringing the Messiah to fruition. Shows you the sovereignty of God. Despite man, despite his goodness, despite his wickedness, God is going to accomplish his plan through the actions of men. Verse 10, And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah, again, wicked and cursed by Jeremiah's prophecy. Jeremiah cursed this one, right? And said that none of your offspring shall sit on the throne of David. You say, well, hold, wait, wait, time out. 
If he pronounced that curse on Jeconiah and he says that none of the offspring shall sit on the throne, then how does Christ come through that offspring? Because Jeremiah said, no one from your offspring is going to sit on the throne. We got a problem now, don't we? Got a problem. How do we answer that? Remember Luke's genealogy traces through Mary. That's one thing. Here's the second thing. He's the none of your offspring. None of your offspring shall sit on the throne of David. See, you're going to see the significance of the virgin birth here in a minute. <laughs> Jesus still has legal claims to the throne. Why? Because he was not the offspring of Joseph. <laughs> he was not the offspring of Joseph. We'll get to that in a minute. The father of Sheatil, and Sheatil, the father of Zerubbabel. Ah, ah, say that word for me, Ben. Zerubbabel. Thank you. <laughs> and Zerubbabel, the father of Abudad. And Abudad, that's probably wrong, the father of Eliakim. And Eliakim, the father of Azar. And Azar, the father of Zadok. And Zadok, the father of Achim. And Achim, the father of Eluid. And Eluid, the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, I am butchering these names, the father of Mathan. And Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Now I want to camp out here of whom Jesus was born. Okay, so what did Matthew just do? He just, he went and he traced the lineage coming through the seed of David, right? Then he comes to 16 and he says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. That phrase, of whom points to Jesus as coming exclusively from Mary, not Joseph. Notice up until this point in the genealogy, it was the father of, the father of, the father of, which really is a Jewish way of saying this father gave biological birth, was in, was in his biological essence was in this son. Husband and wife, they had a baby. He's the biological father. You come to Jesus and it says, the husband of Mary, referring to Joseph, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. The of whom refers back to Mary, not Joseph. The virgin birth. Another thing that I think is important to understand Notice the phrase was born. Was born. Of whom Jesus was born. You can't see this in the English, but the type of verb that is, this indicates that Mary was acted upon. Mary was acted upon. There was something that happened to Mary apart from Joseph. The virgin birth. Later we read in the gospel that the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was found with child. Why is this significant? Why would this be significant as they are reading this? The Jewish readers are reading this because is this Jesus Christ who lived three something years on the earth? Is he really the fulfillment? Matthew is saying, yes, he is. Here's his genealogy. 
He fits the criteria of the Messiah. What makes him unique? His virgin birth. So he says, 16 again, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. What is so particular about the 14 generations. This is all basically saying, guys, do you see how this is all steeped in David? Remember, for the Jewish people, King David was God's anointed. But hundreds of years ago, one would come and continue the throne of David forever and ever. And his kingdom would have no end. And his throne would be everlasting. And he would come from David. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, Matthew says. And he established that he fit the criteria and he has a right to the legal claim of David's throne, if you will. So, what's the point here? What's the point here in this genealogy? Well, not only does it establish the fact that God is faithful in bringing Forth his plan of salvation, despite the fallenness of man, despite the wickedness of these kings, despite the immorality of, of some of the people in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the genealogy shows us that God was faithful, working in history, behind the scenes, bringing forth his plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born. A son is given. So let's go back. When things go wrong at Christmas. When things go wrong at Christmas, it's because you and I have lost focus of Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the one who was sent. We've lost focus. When things go wrong at Christmas, we've lost focus. When we become more enamored through all of the celebratorial things and making sure all that's in place, we've lost focus. Again, remember, I like Christmas. But when we become enamored with it to the point that we miss that Messiah, God, the incarnate one, God stepped into his creation through Christ, the son, the one that was promised. That's what Christmas is about. How can the wrong decorations, the wrong gifts, the wrong menu, the wrong whatever trump that? It shouldn't. But it does in a lot of our lives because we get caught up and what the culture says. You start listening to the news now, and again, I like Christmas. There's charities doing all kinds of things now, and, 
helping kids who are less fortunate to have gifts and all that. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Nothing wrong with that. But my heart sinks when I hear things like they're interviewing people and they say, we want the children to have a good Christmas. What are they talking about? They're not talking about we want the children to come to the realization that all of your hopes and all of your dreams are not wrapped up in these gifts. It's in a Messiah that was prophesied to redeem the sin of man. That's a Christmas present. <laughs> that's not what they're talking about. They, that's not what they're talking about. The culture, the culture has taken Christmas and redefined it, and we go right along with it. Remember? I like Christmas. Don't return any of my gifts if you got me a gift. I like Christmas. But do you understand what I'm saying? It's so much more than the cultural commercial of Christmas with the gifts and the trees. These Jewish people, as they read this, they were, their hearts were filled with joy as they realized Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that was sent, that would come and not only save Israel, but Gentiles. God's plan of salvation for the Jew and the Gentile. The point is, Christmas goes wrong when we lose focus on this. Christmas will go wrong for you if you lose focus on this. Anything else that we do in celebration of Christmas. It's because, hopefully, we are so grateful that the Messiah came into the world to die for sinners. And we celebrate that in America by giving gifts. Nothing wrong with that. But are we giving gifts not really cognizant of why we're doing this? It's in celebration of His birthday. His coming into the world. Or is it just about the Xbox? Just about the iPhone? Just about the new PJs? Or the Christmas sweater? Guys, we, we got to keep a balance here. Remember, I like Christmas. I like this celebration. John 1, 9 to 15. This is what we ought to be celebrating. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation comes as an act of what God does through Christ. This is why the Messiah came. 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is what Christmas is about. For unto us 
A Savior has been sent. Remember, I like Christmas. But Matthew was addressing the Jewish readers, and Matthew was saying through the genealogy, look, the Messiah that was promised hundreds of years ago came, lived, died, rose from the dead, and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and one day will come back and set up his earthly kingdom, and his kingdom will be forever and ever. That's what Christmas is about. The fulfillment of God's promise in Christ. So let me challenge you. As you do your celebrating, your traditions, and I'm all for it. Do your traditions. Do your drinking eggnog the night before, the opening of one gift before. Whatever you come up with, awesome. But don't lose the backdrop of what all this is about. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas and what it truly is about. The Messiah. The Messiah who comes into the world, God incarnate, not only lays down his life for our sins, but while he was here, and as you read through the gospel teachings, as we're walking through Mark, as you know, you see Jesus talking about life, how to do life, how to navigate life here now. Why should I listen to him? Why should I listen to his commentary? Because he's God in the flesh. He not only secured your salvation for eternity, but the way to live now. So when it comes to meaning and morality and destiny and purpose, I look at Christ. I look at what he says for my life. Don't miss Christmas. When things go wrong at Christmas, it's because you and I, we lose sight of what Christmas is really about. The Messiah. Amen? That's my challenge to us all. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.